0: Welcome to the Creekwood Church podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a 3-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com/growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy I want to start off today um, with a question. Um, How many of you grew up in a family or you now love to go camping, fishing, hunting? Raise your hand real high. Raise it high. All right, we got quite a few people in the house. Man, that was me growing up. Um, my family, we did all of the above. Um, we we love to go camping. We love to go fishing, and uh, we grew up in a big hunting family. And I remember as a young kid, I would always know hunting season was coming because the gear would start to pile up on the dining room table. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? You guys ever do that? Maybe you're going on a trip, the gear or the the stuff you're taking would just start to pile up. And um, it was always exciting. And I remember getting to the point of being old enough to go on a hunting trip for the very first time. I actually have a picture of my very first hunting trip. Me and my grandfather and my dad went. I'm so glad I grew into those teeth. Um, (laughs) But... Um, I, it's really cool. These are, this is in the mountains in Southern New Mexico. I grew up in Albuquerque and we went to bed that night with no snow and woke up the next morning with like 12 inches of snow on the ground. It was still snowing, um, while we were hunting for the very first time. I remember that's, there's a road you can kind of see through the trees there. I remember walking down the road and like seeing deer tracks in the snow. Um, we don't really get that in Texas, but you know, it was a great First experience, but one of the things that I love about hunting is the process behind it, right? Some people like to go and pay, and they walk in and they get to go hunting. I love the process behind it. Um, I love the preparation. I love getting everything pulled together. I love um, the working and like I bow hunted for the first time this year. Actually, here's a picture with me and some buddies of mine. Last uh, that was actually last weekend. We went for opening weekend of bow season um, and. Like especially with bow hunting, I've rifle hunted for a long time, but with bow hunting, like there's so much more that can go wrong. You're so much closer. Um, and it's a lot more practice. Been practicing for months. Um, you know the process of going out and getting food in the feeders and using trail cameras and figuring out where the deer are traveling and all that goes into the hunting experience. Um, And then, you know, of course, everybody thinks about the moment that you get to take a shot. And it all comes down to that and hoping that the practice and everything you've put into it pays off. And, you know, as we start into this series called The Hunt, the search for joy and and going and searching for joy in our life, I think the search for joy, there's some things that we can talk about that will set the stage for us to be successful in this search And we're going to be doing this series over the next few weeks. Um, But I don't know about you. Whenever I think about joy, the first place my mind goes is into the kids' song. You know, the song that goes, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? All right, there you go. Pretty good. Pretty good. The best was still Saturday night service. All right. They were like really, they were well caffeinated or something. (laughs) But that's where my mind goes. But I think if we're honest there are certain areas of our life and I think there's many of us in this room that really struggle with joy truly being down in our heart, right? That maybe we have it in some areas but we don't in other areas. Maybe you've been dealing with depression, anxiety, fear over something in your life. Maybe yours isn't that far but maybe there's an area of your life and I think all of us fall into this in some point where there's just a general dissatisfaction from maybe where you ended up with something in your life, right? You thought when you got to this point and you accomplished this, you would find joy in your life. And there's still something missing in life. And I, I love to kind of frame this. I want to look at the words of Jesus in John ten ten, And he talks about something here that I think begins to unpack this for us. He says, the thief's purpose So Satan's purpose in our life is to still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying right. Jesus is saying my purpose is to give us a rich and a satisfying life. But the thief's purpose is to come in to attack our marriage, to attack our life, to attack our family, our work, our dreams, our experience at school, and all of this and to steal the joy from that. But Jesus goes, no, 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 I come and I want to stop the thief in your life. I wanna stop the thief in your life so that way you can live a rich and a satisfying life. And I'm more convinced than ever at this point in my life that the way to find true joy, the only way to find true joy is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And not just a I come into church relationship, but through a real, authentic, regular relationship relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 to 17 say something to this. Um, They say this about Christ's love. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised from the dead. Right? When we give our life to Christ, the way we look at life, the lens that we look at life with shifts and it changes. It becomes not about me, myself, and I. It shifts and it changes to something else. Verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view but how differently do we know him now, right? When your relationship with Christ develops, it goes from, okay, this is a God that I'm gonna serve and this is what this means. And when it becomes personal, it changes. Verse 17, that means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun, right? We say here at Creekwood, we say this in Growth Track, we want our goal with everything is to see people to come to the point of accepting Jesus Christ into their life. And then from there, their goal, their purpose is to do everything in their power to lead people to also come to know Christ. And we want to lead you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ, right? It's something that we strive through continually throughout our life. But as we get into this joy series, what I want to do is I want to set the stage with some things that we can do and some decisions that we can make that will help set the stage for joy to come into my life. And so I want you to go ahead and write down the first one. If you don't take notes, write it down anyways. The first one here, I have to get to the point of understanding that God has a plan for my life, right? I have to get to the point of understanding God has a plan for my life. I love what Hebrews chapter 12 says about this. And um, this is... The author's writing and he's saying, you know, when we run the race of life, this is what's going on before this verse I'm about to read, that we pursue Jesus Christ, right? When we're running the race of life, our eyes should be fixed on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2, right? We do this, we run this race of life by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Right? As we're running through life and we're focused and we're going, I want to be more like Jesus every single day. Right? Our faith starts there, but then there's this process of development that happens. And it says, Because of the joy awaiting him, he, talking about Jesus, endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. And I love this. When you look at this right there at the second line at the end where it says, because of the joy awaiting him. What does that mean? The joy awaiting him is Jesus Christ came to bring salvation to you and to me, right? Jesus was able to look past, right? What he was going to endure on the cross because he knew and he understood God's plan for his life. Right, And we all have the ability to go, I can get to the point where I have an understanding. I may not know what it is, but I have an understanding that God has a plan for my life. Second one we have to get to understanding is that we need to believe that God will work things out. We need to believe that God will work things out. And isn't this really hard when it doesn't happen the way we planned, right? When it I thought it was going to go like this, but it went like this, right? You thought you were going to get out of school, get married, get a job, have 2.5 kids, because that's the average somehow. <laughs> and all of this, and you were going to be successful, be happy, and all of this, right? And it just never works out just like that, does it? You know, and I don't think, I think when we think about the idea of believing that God will work things out, we immediately go to catastrophic things in our life, right? Deaths, maybe failed relationships, whatever it might be, something going on at school, failed project, whatever that is. And, but, and while I do think it's that, I think it's also something else. Sometimes it can be, God, I'm going down this path and I'm trying to honor you with what I'm doing. I'm trying to be a responsible adult. I want to get to know you more. And then God goes, well, but I want you to do this. You thought it might've been this, but I want you to do this. You know, this, this happened for my wife and I um, here over the last month or so. As you know, if you've been here over the last month, we've been talking about this Beyond campaign and this series of, of what we're gonna do and going to two campuses and the amazing um, opportunity that's in front of us to invest in the future of this community. And, and you know, we, we, want it to, we want to be a part of that, right? I, I came, I moved to Mansfield, been a part of Creekwood, Um, for over 14 years. Like I've given my life to this place and what better way to be a part of that than to give what I can. And so we've been praying about this and man, what do we wanna give? What does that look like? We wanted to, to give in a new way, in a bigger way than we ever have before. And so I'm like, okay, Tiffany, I want you to pray and let's get to a number. And then I'd be like, so what's your number? She's like, I'm not telling you, what's your number, right? And so we had this back and forth going and we finally landed on this number And just to be frank, it scares us. It's bigger than anything I've ever given. Like I've tithed, I grew up tithing. I've done that my whole life, but this is above and beyond this, that, and that's bigger than anything I've ever done. And what's made that so hard is our goal last year, this year, next year was to save as much money as we can to be able to put it towards the down payment on a house, um, to be able to get into a little bit bigger home to, to one day start a family. Um, And then not only that, I'm sitting there in the back of my mind. I'm going, God, I'm trying to be responsible. And I'm trying to honor you with my finances and all of this. And I'm trying to, you know, save. And then I'm looking over here and I'm going, I've got a truck with almost 200,000 miles on it. And I need to put new tires on it. And I've got several thousand dollars worth of repairs that are coming. And God, I'm I'm really like being responsible. I'm saving and all this. But I feel like you're doing this. And I feel like this is, we're, we're really certain this is the number. And God, what does that look like? And what does that mean? Right? We have to understand that it, it doesn't always come to the point of going, ah, I'm going to give a lot of money, but it's not going to be hard. Right? It can be something like that. It could be something God's speaking to you about your family. But in everything, are we at the point of believing that no matter what, God is going to work things out in our life? Right? When we pursue a relationship with him and we understand that God has a plan for my life, do we believe that God is going to work things out in my life? When, it talk, when we talk about struggles and we talk about facing things that are unexpected, I love what 1 Peter 1, 6 through 9 says. It says this, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Right, It's this idea that what we walk through, when we say yes to answer, whether it's for us like giving, or when we walk through a trial and we walk through that, there's this, and we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, there's this refining process in our faith. Right? Our faith has the opportunity to grow. Our faith has the opportunity to go to another level. And verse eight says, "'You love him even though you've never seen him. "'Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and in all those things, you rejoice with a glorious and inexpressible joy. Right? The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Right? When we trust God and we have joy in all things in our life, we can believe that God will work things out in our life. But you know what this means? It means we have to take the control that we love so much and we have to let it go right? The control over the relationship, the control over the job situation, whatever it may be, we have to let it go. Because like for me, I'm so type A and I'm so like driven and I'm like, okay, here are the, here's the goals. This is what we're going to do. Like if I do X, Y, Z, then I'm going to get to the end and it's going to get accomplished. But there's an element of going, hey, I'm going to work. I'm going to plan. I'm going to prepare. But then, and then you get to the point where you have to go, and I'm just going to let go of this. Um, have you ever heard the story of the king and his friend? I love this story, and you may have heard it online, um, read it on Facebook or something like that, but there's this story of a king and his friend, and um, this friend's job was to um, reload the gun for the king when he would go on hunting expeditions or whatever it might be, and so this friend had the, the saying that he would say about all sorts of things, right? So something would happen, and he'd look at it, and he'd go, it's good. It's good. It's good. And so him and, his, and, and the king are going out and on a hunting expedition and the friend reloads the gun and hands it to the king. The king takes a shot, but the friend did something wrong. And when the king pulls the trigger, it blows his thumb off. The friend looks at it and goes, it's good, it's good. The king looks back at him and goes, it isn't good, this ain't good at all. Gets mad at his friend, understandably, throws him into prison, throws him into prison, forgets about him. Um, He's in prison for around a year. And then what happens, the king goes out on an expedition and um, goes into an area he knows he shouldn't have been in and gets captured by cannibals. So they tie the king up and they're getting ready to do what cannibals do. And they notice that his thumb's missing and being superstitious, the cannibals don't eat anything that isn't whole. So what do they do? They untie the king and they let him go on his way. And on the way back, the king's like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Like I locked my friend up and he was right. Like it was really a good thing. Thank goodness my thumb got blown off. So he goes and he goes to prison. He opens the doors and he starts to tell his friend about all this. And he's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the friend goes, it's good. It's good. And the king goes, how is it good that I locked you up for a year? And the friend goes, It's good because if I was with you, I wouldn't be with you now, right? (laughs) But that's what we do, isn't it? Something happens, and as a result, something else happens, and then we sit there and we go, oh my goodness, my life's over. Man, I thought this was going to happen, and it didn't happen the way I thought. And because of that, like, what's the point? Why am I going to keep trying? Why am I going to keep pursuing Christ? Like, he let me down. Why am I going to keep on this path of life? Why am I going to keep choosing joy in my life when something happens to us? And that takes us to the third point of what we have to do is we have to choose joy. Right, joy, the thing about joy is it's a choice. Joy is a choice and it's something that we have to decide to do every single day. I love what Philippians chapter four says, when it comes to having joy, Philippians 4.4 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. You think they didn't know that there's tough days? You think they didn't know that there was things in life um, that if we're not careful can rob our joy? But yet the author says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Um, Kay Warren is a pastor's wife and she wrote a book called Choose Joy. And I love how she describes joy. She says, joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. Think about that. When you determine to do something, right? I set out and I am going to make this decision every single day, right? Joy is the determined choice to praise God in all things. But where I think this gets off for us is I think we confuse joy and happiness in our life so many different times, right? So what I started doing, I was doing some research and I was reading some articles on psychology about um, joy and happiness. And this definition I ran across um, on psychology today. And they define happiness this way. They say, happiness is external. It's based on situations, events, people, places, things, and thoughts, right? So my happiness is dependent upon how my wife treats me when she wakes up in the morning. She's not a morning person. So she has her coffee and gets going. You never know, right? (laughs) Maybe for you, it's how you, when you walk into work, when you walk into work and how your coworker or your boss treats you, right, your happiness can go. Maybe it's in the line dropping your kid off at school and you heard a mama say something about your kid and you're ready to throw down, right? You lose your happiness. You lose your happiness in a moment. But joy, check this definition out, comes when you make peace with who you are, where you are, why you are, and who you are and are or are not with. So many of us get stuck, failed relationship. Man, I'm not with that person. I was a failure. I was this, I was that. No, no, joy is not going, hey, that didn't happen. Joy is saying, okay, it happened, but I'm gonna come to a point, I'm gonna choose joy. I'm going to choose to be at peace in this, right? My happiness can be impacted, but our joy is a choice. And there's a book in your Bible um, that the theme throughout it is joy. And it's the book of Philippians. What I love about Philippians, and we're going to spend a lot of time in Philippians over the next few weeks of this series, is um, Philippians is only four chapters long. Like if you're not careful, you can flip right past it in your Bible. But in those four chapters, joy or rejoice is mentioned 16 times in those four chapters. But what I love about this isn't the theme of joy, and it isn't just that joy is important or that it's a book in the Bible, right? It was a letter that was written to the church in Philippi. But what I love about it is who wrote it and his situation and his life story, right? One of my favorite authors in the Bible is Paul, and Paul wrote this. The thing about Paul is Paul was a bad dude. Paul killed Christians, stoned Christians. Like his life mission was to keep the story and the news of Jesus Christ from getting out, right? He was adamantly against it. God has this moment with him, rocks his world. And what was Paul totally changes and he gives his life to Christ, right? So many of you in this place, you've had a story similar to that, right? God got a hold of your life and your life has never been the same because of that. But Paul, what he does is, Paul, not only did, when he did that, his mission was to preach, share the news of Jesus Christ. But man, Paul, over and over again, had bad things happen to him. He was whipped, beaten multiple times, he was imprisoned multiple times. And when we pick up in the book of Philippians, he is actually imprisoned for preaching the word of God. And he was on his way to Europe to spread the word of God to people. So he thought he was going here but he ended up here, right? Not only that, I was doing some study on, um, on Paul and, and the, the state of Philippians and all of this, kind of the backstory to it. And I ran across something that was really interesting. And that day you didn't serve out 20, 30, 40 year prison sentences. You were usually in prison for one of two reasons. You were awaiting trial or you were awaiting your sentence. So, and that could last a couple of years, but when we pick this story up, Paul is facing the possibility of what his sentencing is gonna be and whether he will lose his life or not. So I want us to to get really applicable here. I, I really want us to get something that you can take, that you can begin to put into your life today, tomorrow, to begin to choose joy in your life. And I wanna look at some decisions Paul made quickly here in Philippians chapter one, if you'd like to turn there. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 18. Starting in verse 12, Paul says this. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news, right? He's imprisoned. Everything that has happened to me, right? I thought I was going to be over here, but everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news, has helped my mission in life. And number one, we have to get to the point of choosing to look beyond what happened in our life, right? Something happened to you. There was a decision you made, you made a mistake, right? It's not that that didn't happen, but there's more to life than that. You gotta look and you have to choose to look beyond what happens in your life. Verses 13 and 14 go on to say, for everyone here, including the whole palace garden, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear, right? Paul chooses to find new opportunities, right? I thought I was going to be going and traveling and preaching. I'm in prison, but check this out. He goes, because I'm in prison, all of the guards know that I'm here because of Jesus Christ. And because I'm in prison, most of the believers here, they've gained confidence and they're now boldly speaking God's message without fear, Right? He chose to find new opportunities. This idea of, I may be in prison, but I influenced everyone around me while I was here. Right? Th- take that into your situation. Take that into when I say, man, there's an area of your life that you, you could grow in joy in. Maybe there's an area that you've been having anxiety or fear over. I think there's a question that you can ask yourself, and it's this question. God, what do you have for me to do today? Right? We are so good, or bad, however you want to look at it, at looking at what happened yesterday and letting that find, define today. Instead of asking ourselves the question and choosing to find new opportunities and doing, God, I know what happened yesterday wasn't according to plan. God, I know what happened yesterday in my mind shouldn't have gone that way, but God, what do you have for me to do today? Paul goes on in Philippians Um, And I think this speaks, when I was reading this, this, this really hit home, because I think where a lot of us get off on joy is what other people are doing that's beyond our control. Check this out. Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news, right? Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, and and intending to make my chains more painful to me. Paul's going, I I was sent to preach. These other people, I'm in prison, and they're out here, they're preaching. Some of them are are saying bad things about me. You know there was people coming to Paul going, hey, did you hear that so-and-so, you know they're not in prison and they're preaching about Jesus? This is going on just like it goes on in all of our lives in different ways. But I love, love, love Paul's response. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So, what does he do? So, I rejoice. And not only will I rejoice, I'm going to continue to rejoice, right? He made the choice going, no matter what happens in the future, I'm going to continue to rejoice. Because at the end of the day, he made the choice, and we can make this too, to choose to focus on what really matters right? In your life, choose to focus on what really matters. Don't look at what someone else says or someone else does. We're so good at looking at someone else and going, man, if only I could have their job, if only I could make the money they make, if only I could have their house, their car, and all that. But man, what I've found in life is you don't want what they got, right? Behind closed doors, their life might be miserable. I mean, how many times do we have to see that in public figures in our life? Right? Oh man, I wish I had their popularity. Oh, I wish I was that. And then you get behind doors or something comes out and you're like, oh, I don't want that. Maybe for you, it's, man, you get yourself comparing with other people so much on social media and you need to take a break from it. The world will still revolve if you get off social media. Come home somebody. <laughs> I think when we do this one easy way, and I heard this from a pastor that we can and one easy thing we can do to remind ourselves to keep things in the correct order for us to make the choice of joy in our life is this. And I think it's kind of funny. At first I was like, I'm not going to use this um, because I think pastors really like to take words. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to define J-O-Y. And I feel like they'd like to do this. But it's really good and it's a good reminder. So the first one, Jesus first. Because if Jesus isn't first, right, we started talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't ever get to choosing joy in your life if you don't put Jesus first. Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. Then everything else goes from there, everything else. But if you don't pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not just, hey, I gave my life to Christ here. And for me, Church and my relationship with Jesus Christ is church whenever you get around to coming. God doesn't say that. Point of church is not for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's for you to come in and corporately connect with people, corporately worship, and corporately be challenged. It's meant to be the icing on the cake, not the cake. Right? What it comes back to is Jesus has to be first in my life. Then O is others. There is zero way to find joy on the pathway of me, myself, and I. Serving God, serving others. That's why we drive home so much. You probably get tired of hearing us talk about life groups and getting out and serving in the community. We had a serve life group go and work on building a deck handicap ramp thing for a lady yesterday morning. We have all of these things and we talk about them and we drive these home and challenge you to get involved in serving in one of our volunteer teams because what we know when you get involved in community or you get outside of yourself and you focus on others is it takes the attention off of myself and it puts it on someone else. And when I put Jesus first and then I focus on others, I'm not first, I'm not second, I'm third. Then yourself comes. And it's there when 1 Peter, when it says, I can cast cast all my cares on the Lord for he cares for me. Right, when I put God first and I put others above me and then I put myself there, man. Then I can get to the point of going, all the stuff I can't control, all the things I thought, God, I'm gonna put them on you and I'm gonna choose joy today. We're gonna end service a little bit differently today. Um, I'm gonna ask the band to come back up. And as they do, I want to share a story with you. Um, There's a man by the name of Horatio Spafford. He was born in the early 1800s, uh, was a strong Christian man, and we pick up this story in uh, about 1871 to 1872. And Horatio, like I said, was a strong Christian man. He was a wealthy businessman. He was married and he had five kids. He had four daughters and a son. And What happened in about 1871 was his son came down with scarlet fever and he got sick and he ended up passing away. Man, talk about rocking your world. And for those of you in this place that are a parent, man, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine walking through that. Um, Within a year, the Chicago fires started and a lot of his a lot, of his real, uh, a lot of his wealth and a lot of his business prowess was in real estate and he lost a lot of his money and a lot of his resources in the Chicago fires. So within a year, he's taken a huge financial hit. He's lost his son within that year. So some time goes by, that, you know, man, I couldn't imagine walking through all that about a year to two years later. He goes and he says, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna visit my friend. One of his good friends was the evangelist D.L. Moody. And so he's gonna, their family's gonna take a ship and they're gonna go and they're gonna visit him in England and they're gonna go be a part of everything that's happening. I mean, he was seeing hundreds and thousands of people come to know Christ. So he goes and he's got some business that he's finishing up. So he puts his family on a ship over to England to go be with someone and to do the work of Christ. And on the way, the ship sinks. You can go read about it. 230, 240 people drowned, one of the worst disasters, ship sinks ever as far as loss of life. Um, Sailors find his wife clinging to the wreckage, all four of his daughters having drowned. They pick her up and they take her She sends a telegram back to her husband and it says this, Saved alone, what shall I do? Honey, all four of our daughters, they're gone. And within just a few years to lose all five kids, to lose a big portion of your business, like what is going on? God, I thought we were going to help this evangelist. I thought we were going to make a difference in some people and lead some people to Christ. But what in the world is going on? So of course he does what any husband and father would do. He catches the next ship out. And as they're traveling, they bring him up top and they show him some of the charts. The captain proceeds to tell him and show him and says, right here is where the ship went down. This is where your daughters drown. And the eyewitness accounts of what happens next, he gets a pen and paper and he starts to write and he pins the words that become the hymn, it is well with my soul. If you've never heard that, I wanna read this to you. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when when peace comes my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, when when you've been walking through life and it's one thing after another, after another, after another, whatever my lot, thou, God, has taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. The only place that 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 response comes from is a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know how else in the world that's your response, right? My response in my first mind would be, I don't, I don't want to see it. I'm going to go down. Nobody talked to me. I just want to avoid all of that. But no, he goes, you know what? I'm going to choose this. There was something in his life that said, no matter what's going on, God, I still am going to say it as well. I'm still going to believe that you have a plan, that you have a purpose for my life, that there's something more than what I see. I think every single one of us in this place, you find yourself in one of two places. One, you hear me talk about joy, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. You are not gonna find it except through him. There's no way. You've searched, you've searched, you've searched, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, and you're still empty. Right there where you're at, you can say a prayer to God, just like you talk to a friend. And you can say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned, Know that you sent God. I know you sent your Son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And, and would you forgive me of my sins and come into my life? And you can start a relationship with Jesus Christ right where you're at. And I think there's many of you in this place. You're like me. You've been a Christ follower for a long time. Maybe you grew up in church. And as I've been speaking, man, there's an area of your life that you're just missing that joy. So what we're going to do is we're going to do this. Um, The band's gonna sing a song that was written by a worship band called Bethel. And the young lady that wrote this song, um, I was listening to the story when she wrote this song and her and her husband were going through a really tough time and just kind of not sure what God was doing. And she was really challenged by the story of Horatio. And so she writes this song and puts part of his hymn when it gets to it as well into her song. And as we sing this, I want you to stay seated and I want you to reflect and I want you to think about what you're going through in life. What has been causing you grief? What has been causing you worry and stress and heartache and anxiety in your life? And as we sing, I want you to choose to look beyond what happened. I want you to choose to find new opportunities, to choose to focus on what really matters so that you can get to the point of choosing joy in your life every single day. And when we get to the point in the song when we sing, it is well, we're gonna stand together and we're gonna declare that as one body, as Creekwood Church today. Would you bow your heads with me? God, we just give you this moment. God, I 100% believe that every single person in this place came in here for a reason and a purpose today. God, maybe they woke up, they weren't planning to come to church, but they got up and they came anyways. Maybe a friend texted them God, you knew that they were going to be in this service. You knew that this message was going to be about joy and you knew that they needed to be here to hear it. God, I ask that in these next few moments as we sing, God, I just ask that you would just put such a flood of joy, of reassurance that you have a plan over every single one of of us in this place. God, give us the strength now that we have the knowledge to choose joy every single day. This name that I pray. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.